for somebody to come clean my house. And nobody responded. Everybody laughed, but nobody signed up to help me clean my house. Now, I don't blame you. <laughs> no hard feelings. Um, but, you know, you, you probably were thinking the same thing that a dad or a mom would say to their kids. Josh, if you didn't want a messy house to have to clean up right before your wife got home, guess what you should have done? kept it clean, right? You should have cleaned it up along the way or you should have just kept it clean in the first place. That's true. It, 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 we, we, we cleaned it up and we cleaned it up again on Monday and thankfully it, it counted out as clean enough by the time once they got home. But anyway, so hang on to that picture of, of a clean room, okay, of a clean house. If you want it to be that way, kids, you don't want to have to spend your whole Saturday cleaning your room, guess what you need to do? Just keep it clean. Very, very simple. Okay, so a lot of that works like your conscience. Everybody's got a conscience, that part of them that helps to, to distinguish what is right, is wrong, and right and wrong. That part of you that makes you feel good about your decision or the part of you that reprimands or kicks you in the gut for the decision that you make. And if you don't ever want to be in the position of, I got to clean up my conscience or I, I got to feel guilty, the best thing to do is to not do anything that's going to make you feel guilty. And we're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Paul. We've been spending months looking at Paul's life, uh, the last couple of year and a half or so, and we're going to see a little bit of, about how Paul kept his conscience clean and but as he served before God. And it did get him into a lot of hot water. And Paul did screw up, but Paul kept his conscience clean through the whole time. So first thing we're going to see is that you, that person who woke up this morning, who looked in the mirror, you have a conscience before God. And just so you know, kids, it's not this guy, right? It's not Jiminy Cricket, who's your conscience. We all know Pinocchio had no conscience. He was just a, a wooden doll that couldn't hardly think. Somehow he was able to talk with, uh, but he had no inner thing inside of him to determine what is right, right, wrong. But you have that. We all have a conscience before God. And your conscience either feels one of two ways. It feels guilty or it feels good. It feels clean. So, Paul had a clean conscience before God. Acts chapter 23, verse 1. It says, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. Now, what was it that Paul was doing? Well, recently, you know, Paul made it to Jerusalem. His whole, all his friends said, please don't go. It's going to be bad for you. Paul says, I'm going to go anyway. And as he gets there, he, he gets in trouble. There's riots. People are trying to kill Paul. He gets bound in chains. He's the only guy who gets in trouble. He gets bound in chains. And now he gets the opportunity to defend himself before the Sanhedrin, before the Supreme Court of that land. Last week, he shared his testimony with the people which got him into more hot water. But today he's defending himself before the Sanhedrin. And he says, I've kept my, what God has asked me to do in good conscience. Ever since the point Paul got saved, everything that God has asked me to do, I did it. I went on mission trips. I shared the gospel. I talked to the Jews. I talked to the Jew Samaritans. I talked to anybody who would listen. And Paul feels good about that. Anybody here ever have a clean conscience? How's that feel? 
It feels good, right? You, you feel like, hey, I got nothing to feel bad about. Uh, I, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. When the boss of price checked up on me and I had it done, I had nothing to feel bad about. And that's how Paul is feeling about this. Now, Paul wasn't perfect in his actions, but he did better than the average. You think about other people in the Bible who, who screwed up in major ways. You think about Jonah, right? He was a guy who could feel completely guilty. While the, while the going was easy, going talking to the people of God, he said, I'll go. God said, go and talk to the people of Nineveh. He said, I'm not going to go. Guilty conscience. He, he, was, he ended up feeling discouraged and mad and frustrated about the whole thing. You think about Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. Do you think he felt good about that? Maybe for the moment while he's saving his skin, but after the fact, he's not. All the other disciples, he ran away from Jesus in the garden. They, I'm sure they're running heavy-weighted, guilty conscience, but that's not Paul. Paul says, I want a clean conscience. I'm going to do whatever it is that God asked me to do. Paul was faithful to what God was calling him to do. But Paul, along the way, he, he has to deal with keeping his conscience clean. He's got to make it right. Because in verse 2, we find that Paul was punished for this by a guy by the name of Ananias. It says, at this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him in the mouth. Can you say, ouch? Ouch, right? You get struck in the mouth. How many people are going to feel good about that? You're, you just said, I have a clean conscience before God, and before you know it, someone's whacking you across the face. That's going to tick you off a little bit, right? I think it would. If we like to, if you don't think it will, let's, let's invite you up here, and I'll whack you across the face and see how you like it, right? You're going to be upset. Paul was upset, by, and he, he shouldn't have been struck. He didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but the guy by the name of Ananias was a guy who was a, an evil guy. He was a guy who, who ended up living his life being hunted and ultimately killed by his people because he was that wicked. He was a guy who took the, the tithes and the offerings that were given to the priest that they could barely live off of. He tried to take all that and he bribed the Romans and he bribed the Jews to get what he wanted. And this is the guy who's... Who's, who's slapping or getting ordering that, that uh, Paul gets slapped across the face. And Paul's upset, and rightfully so. I think any of us could feel that same way. Verse 3, this is how Paul responds to this. He says, then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, that you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Paul says, I didn't do anything wrong. I have a clean conscience before God. You, buddy, are the one that screwed up, which is really true. Because he, he was the one uh, who... Who broke the law. There's a Jewish law that says he who strikes the cheek of an Israelite strikes, as it were, the glory of God. Paul shouldn't have been struck, and he shouldn't have been struck, especially before a trial. And Paul says, you know what? I don't like this. You're a whitewashed tomb, Ananias. Like, that's, that's the worst thing I'm going to say about you. You're a whitewashed tomb. Now, if you're not familiar with what a whitewashed tomb is, I think we all know what whitewashing is. You're taking something that's dirty and you're washing it with something to make it stand out so it looks clean, like you whitewash a fence or something of that name, nature. Well, back in the day, if you were in the cemetery area, it wasn't always clearly marked. And so you could accidentally touch a tomb. 
Well, in order to keep people from touching a tomb accidentally that makes you ceremonially unclean, they whitewashed these things so that you could see the difference. And oh, by the way, it looks a lot better now that it's been whitewashed. And Paul says, you're the whitewashed tomb. You look good on the outside. I mean, you're in this position and you think highly of yourself, but what is on the inside of that whitewashed tomb? A dead man, a dead woman, right? Just skin and bones that's decaying, evil, death, right? And he says, you look maybe look good on the outside, but on the outside, or, but you may look good on the outside, but on the inside, you are a dead man, right? He's saying, he's striking the, saying the truth for what it really was. Paul's not, he is upset. I just got whacked across the face. Now I'm getting a little bit of revenge, a little retaliation, which shows kind of the human side of Paul, because we always put Paul up here as some super spiritual guy that I can't ever attain to living that kind of standard to, but Paul's still human. Paul still screws up, which is going to, to benefit us for today's message. When Paul finds out he did something wrong, Paul was remorseful, verses 4 and 5. Those who were standing near Paul said, You dare insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I didn't realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Now, Paul's in this situation. He doesn't recognize that Ananias was the high priest. Now, why doesn't he recognize that? Well, possibly Ananias wasn't wearing the proper clothing that he should be wearing. And he's supposed to sit in a certain seat, and he's not sitting in that seat. This is more like a kangaroo court. And uh, Paul doesn't even recognize him by sight because Paul doesn't go to Jerusalem very often. So Paul really doesn't realize that this is the high priest. But once he finds that, that it is, he's, he's apologizing. He's backtracking. He says, I, I recognize that I was wrong. In Exodus 22, verses 28, it says, Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of every people. Was Paul perfect? No. Most of Scripture makes him kind of seem like he is. But Paul, he, he, he had a guilty conscience for just a short second. Paul made it right before God by making it right with this person. He confessed his sin, and he wiped that conscience clean. He made it exactly where it was supposed to be. He went from that guilty, uh-oh, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed up before God. I screwed up before man. Guilty conscience. I confessed it. Now I don't have a guilty conscience anymore. There's a lot of truth in there. We can stop right now, and you can think about that, I bet, and, and think, what do I need to do in my life in order not to have a guilty conscience? Anyway, since I have more notes here I need to share, I got to say, you have a conscience before God. Everybody here, you have that something inside of you that's helping, that's distinguish, helping you distinguish what is right and what is wrong. Something inside of you that makes you feel good about the decision that you made to clean the house before your wife got home. <laughs> or the thing that makes you feel bad because you did something that you should not do. And no matter how hard you try to distinguish right from wrong and you try to do the right thing, you are not always going to make everybody happy. Right? You guys already know this. You know, think about just everyday life situations. Uh, not, I'm not trying to pick on, these are just examples, like ranching. 
We have some ranchers in here, people who have grown up in the ranching industry. I, I bet there's a difference between this side and this side and that side and this side of, of how to ranch. You know, of how you should hay your fields, of how often, how your, the price that you should set for your, your, your hay, how many cows that you should have. And there's disagreements because not everybody agrees about every aspect about ranching. It's just a normal life situation, right? Not bad, not good, just an illustration, an example. Think about kids. You know what? I have kids. I know most of you have kids. How you raise your kids, what you let your kids be a part of, what you don't let them be a part of, let you, what, what age you let them do certain things, right? As adults, we know that as we, how we raise our kids, we don't all agree on that. Think about this. The guy who gets up here and preaches, right? I bet, I bet not everybody agrees with the way I preach. You know, some people like the fact that we do PowerPoints. I bet there's some people who say, I don't really think that's necessary. I, I didn't grow up with that. I don't really like that. Some people say, I like his corny jokes. Some people say those aren't funny at all. Right? There's, there is a difference of opinion on what should be how I should preach. Maybe I should be dressed in a suit. Maybe I should dress more casual so people can relate to me. Just examples. And when it comes to trying to do what God wants you to do, there are going to be people who agree with you and people who don't agree with you. Now, I want you all to give me the Sunday school answer when I ask you this question. Okay? The Sunday school answer is Jesus. Okay? So when I'm trying to go through life and make decisions about what is right and wrong and what I'm going to do, who is the person I'm trying to please above everybody else? Jesus, right? It does God's opinion matters more than anybody else's opinion. More than my wife, more than the deacon board, more than the people who sit next to me. My goal is to please him above anybody else. So I want you to think for just a second about your past week. You know where you went, you know what you did, you know what you watched, you know what conversations you had. I have no idea because I was not a part of your life just like you weren't a part of mine. And I want you to think, how do I feel about my last, the last week that I just spent? Do I have a good conscience about that? Or do I feel like, I'm not that, I don't feel that good about some of the things that I did or some of the things that I said. I hope you can say that you have a good conscience, a clean conscience. But, but, I, but I want you to think about something. Before you say, I have a clean conscience, uh, we, we have to think that just because you feel like you have a clean conscience doesn't mean your conscience should be clean. Uh, some people are too busy to hear from God. We go from activity to activity to activity, and so there's no time to spend with God. So we never hear God speaking to us. We don't read his word. We don't go to his church. We don't spend time in prayer. So we have no connection to God. So God, the Holy Spirit could be screaming at us like, hey, Josh, I need your attention. But I'm so oblivious because I'm so busy. Uh, David Jeremiah, I, I told Daisy, I told Nicole, tell Daisy she's going to miss out on David Jeremiah this week, which I know everybody already knows this, but this this is uh, something that David Jeremiah shared on the radio at some point, and maybe he got it from somewhere else, but busy 
is uh, an acronym, being under Satan's yoke. We can be so busy doing all these things and think we're doing good things. You can even be in my position being too busy to hear from God. I could be spending all my time preparing a message and I could be running around doing good deeds for people and I could be going to the nursing home and I could be learning to play my guitar so hopefully I can play it in church someday. I could be so busy doing all sorts of things that I am exactly like that. Under Satan's joke, he'll be just as happy if I just keep busy going from this to that, doing good things, but not really hearing from God to do what he's asked me to do. So anybody can fall under this category. It's not just you. It's me too. I can be just like this. And some people are so busy they can't hear from God. Some people don't hear from God because their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. You know, God puts upon your heart, or he, there's something inside of you nagging at you. You should stop doing this. You should stop doing this. But I do it enough times, all of a sudden, I don't feel guilty anymore. Because I've, I've said, I'm doing it anyway. Finally, it's seared. It's like it can't get through. It doesn't affect me anymore. So you, you can say, I have a clean conscience, but I'm too busy to hear from God. I have a clear, clean conscience. I've done so many things wrong. I mean, I've done it so many times that I don't feel guilty about it anymore. So you might, you might be in that position, or maybe you just have a clean conscience because you've done everything it takes to have a clean conscience. So, so just think about this last week. How do you feel about where you went? Was God happy with where you went? Did you go where God asked you to go? Was that conversation pleasing that you were a part of? Did you stop doing what it was that God asked you to do? Is your conscience uh, condemning you or is it congratulating you? It's your conscience. I can't get in there and see how that is. It's not my job anyway. But your conscience is either giving you a kudo or giving you a kick in the gut. So first thing is you do have a conscience before God. Okay. The second thing is to have your conscience clear before God today. You can't worry about yesterday. I mean, you, you can make things right, but the, the past is the past. Whether you, you have a good conscience about last week or whether you feel miserable about it, you can't really fix the situation that caused you to have a guilty conscience. Paul kept his conscience clear before God for the day he was living in. He had short accounts. He asked for forgiveness. But as he had opportunity to obey God, he kept doing that. Verse 6 says, Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out to the Sanhedrins, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand here on trial because of my hope and the resurrection of the dead. And that stopped right there. That was like end of the conversation. You had uh, Sadducees who thought, I don't believe in the afterlife. I think all there is is this life, and that's all. I don't believe in angels. I don't, everything that Paul is saying, I don't go with. All I believe is the first five books of the Old Testament, which is called the law. That's all the Sadducees built their life on. The Pharisees, they started arguing with the, 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 the Sadducees. But, but the fact, the point thing I'm trying to point out right here is that Paul took advantage of the opportunity that God gave him and said, I am on trial here because of my hope in the resurrection from the dead. Had Paul had the opportunity, I'm sure Paul would have launched into the gospel from that point. He didn't care because if he got into Jesus with those Pharisees, he would have been pinned against the wall. The Sadducees and the Pharisees would have finally agreed on something on getting rid of Jesus, but it got stopped at that point. 
The, the Sanhedrin responded, verses 7 through 10. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was, was divided. Verse 9 says, There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel spoke, had spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them, and he ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. So Paul's, he's standing on the truth. He's stating the truth. He says, I don't care what people think because my goal is to try to please Jesus instead of trying to needle my way and keep everybody happy at this point so maybe I can get out of this, this trial alive. Right? That wasn't his goal. His goal was to preach Jesus. And he had a clear conscience about it. He had it in the past. It got him beat. It got him put in jail. It got him stoned and left for dead. But he kept his conscience clear by doing what God wanted him to do. He's got a brand new opportunity standing before the Sanhedrin. He says, I'm going to keep my conscience clear by continuing to do what God has asked me to do. I want to encourage you and myself, keep your conscience clear before God today. Because you can't do anything about yesterday, tomorrow's in the, in the future. We will get to there, but all you have is right now. Keep your conscience clear before God today. Now, how do I do that? Maybe you already know. Maybe my little exam, my ways of, of sharing how to keep your conscience clear is well known to everybody, but I still think it's important to go over them. I want to keep my conscience clear before God. Well, first of all, you have to take the time to know what is it that God is calling you to do. Right? Because if you don't know what God's calling you to do, you're not going to be able to do it. So first thing is you've got to read your Bible or put yourself in a position to hear from God, which you guys all did today. So kudos to you. I hope, that, I hope that's a good thing. I mean, it makes you feel good that you are here. Put yourself in a position to hear from God. Whether you read his Bible, you came to church today, you get online and listen to uh, a, a new guy that I like, Jim Cimbala. I, I mentioned him as Sunday School Man is that guy good? He's relational. He's personable. Uh, David Jeremiah, you listen to somebody, you put yourself in a position to hear from God. The second thing is you, that you can do to hear from God is to pray and be still. You know, a lot of times when we pray, if you're like me, it's real easy to talk when you pray. Right? That's what we do most of the time is I pray when I, I talk when I pray. I walk around this room. I'll, I'll be up in my office. But my mouth is moving or my brain is going as I'm asking God for this or, or pleading with God for that or whatever. But part of praying is also just to be still and know that he is God. God knows how to communicate to you if you're willing to sit there and listen. It's not this audible like I'm talking to you, but God knows how to help you know what it is he wants you to do. So if you want to have a clear conscience before God, you've got to start by knowing what is it that God wants you to do. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. The second thing is once you know what God wants you to do, you have to do it. You've got to be obedient. You've got to go do. You've got to go say. You've got to stop. You've got to be willing to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. 
If you want a clear conscience, if I want to clean the house, I've got to clean it, right? If I, if I want an A in my class, I've got to do what it takes to get an A in my class. It's very straightforward. You have to be obedient because the moment you're trying to please God and you, you step out of line, you get that guilty conscience and you don't like it. I know if you have it, you don't like it. Nobody likes a guilty conscience. So if you want to keep that conscience clean, you've got to be obedient. And number three, when you screw up like Paul did, right? The first thing he did, he didn't argue. He didn't wait three years. He right on the spot. He was confessing his sins to make them right. So the moment you realize that, you know what? I, I didn't take advantage of that opportunity. You know, because sometimes being obedient to God is like a split second decision. And I know because I have been there. There are times where I have in my mind, I should say something. And if I don't take that exact opportunity, it's gone. If I don't do something, sometimes it's a split second decision. And it's tough to do because how is that other person going to like this? Where is this ultimately going to lead me? If I keep my mouth shut, I'm going to keep the peace. And so when you recognize that you didn't do what you were supposed to do, confess it to God. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, God's going to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you would like a clean conscience, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Find out what it is that God's asking you to do or not do. Be obedient to it. And when you screw up, confess that to God and you can have a clean conscience. So, you have a conscience. Sometimes it's beating you up, and sometimes it's praising you, saying, hey, you're doing a good job. It's been that way in the past. It's going to happen today. Maybe when you walk out the doors of this church, while wow, that heat wave hits you, and all of a sudden, some situation is presented to you, and you have an opportunity to be obedient or not be obedient. But it's not just for today. It is forever. Okay? Verse 11, 23 verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in Rome. Paul was faithful as a witness in Jerusalem, and God said, or Jesus told Paul, you're not done yet, bud. You still have more work to do. You still have more opportunity to be faithful. You have more opportunity to keep that conscience clear or guilty as you go down the road. So we, we will find Paul in prison, Acts 28, the end of the book. He's been in prison at that point for two years. And he's being faithful to do what God's asked him to do in Jerusalem and in Rome. But you know what's between point A and point B? A road. There's a line here. Paul is faithful all the way through like he has been to what God has provided him for to do. Uh, through the rest of the book. Paul maintains that clear conscience. He's going to be in Caesarea. He's going to be talking to Governor Felix and King Agrippa. Paul is never going to be done having an opportunity to be faithful to God and keeping that conscience clear until this. He says, until that point, we looked at 2 Timothy a couple weeks, or probably a couple months ago now. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul has an opportunity to keep that conscience clean or guilty until the moment of his death. Right? And the exact same is true for you. Through your whole life, you have the opportunity to be obedient or be disobedient before God. The more truths you come across in Scripture to follow, 
It's going to be an opportunity to, to obey or disobey, to have a clean conscience or a guilty conscience. More, you're going to have more times in your life to confess sins before God or to be stubborn like Asa was we looked at in Sunday school today who wasn't going to do it. He said, I'm mad at God. I'm just going to hang on to this until the day I die. And there are people who do that because they refuse to make it right with God. You have that option, guilty conscience, the rest of your days. But in order to know, in order to have that clean conscience, you've got to know what God's asking you to do. You've got to be obedient to it, and you've got to make it right with God when you have screwed up. You know, they say ignorance is bliss, right? If I don't know something, uh, I don't have to deal with the consequences, right? And, and for a time on earth, living through this life now, ignorance can be bliss. I don't have to obey God's word because I don't know God's word. I don't have to try to please him. I can just stay busy and keep doing whatever I want, my permanent vacation. But someday ignorance won't be bliss because when you stand before God and you have to give an account for what you did and what you didn't, all those things are going to get brought up. Okay, you're going to have to give an account for those things that you did. So don't say ignorance is bliss. Get into God's word. Put yourself in a position to hear from a preacher you want to hear from. Read your Bible. Pray. Spend time with God so you know what he's asking you to do. Be obedient to it. And when you screw up, which you will, make it right before God. Here's what I want you to remember. A simple statement to take with you uh, throughout the rest of this week. Keep your conscience clean or clean it up. And you can have that the rest of your days. Keep your conscience clean. Do what God's asking you to do. But when you screw it up, make it clean it up. And God will make it right between you and him. But, you know, that's for us saved people. You know, I, I'm a saved person. I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I try to keep my conscience clean, and I try to clean it up when I screw up. But, you know, when you, when you want to be right before God, ultimately, it's not about trying harder. It's not about cleaning up my act, and so I don't feel guilty anymore. It's about making things right with Jesus. The Bible says that we have all sinned. And so, ultimately, we have a guilty conscience before God because we've sinned. And because we've sinned, we cannot get to heaven. So don't try to say, I'm going to feel good about myself and all the things that I do and then I'm going to be okay before God because that's not how it works that's what you do after you get saved but before you've trusted Jesus as your Savior you've got to make it right with him by trusting him as your Savior so if you need to do that I challenge you to make it right before God by asking him to be your Savior before you try to keep your conscience clean or clean it up let's pray Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for Paul, how he was faithful every step of the way. I know he wasn't perfect, God, but he was he was willing to keep trying to, to do what you've asked him to do. You gave him things to do. He tried to do those things the best that you gave him the ability to do it. And you were the one who was trying to please and not anybody else. I pray that for myself, God, that you would help my focus to be on you and not on what anybody else thinks. God, help me to have a clean conscience today and for the rest of the days I have left. And when I screw up, God, please help me to be humble and come to you and ask you for forgiveness to make it right so I can have a clean conscience again. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.